Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. morning everyone happy, happy monday it yes the end of february can you believe we're at the end of february we're at the end of february and we are staring down the barrel of ash wednesday in lent mm-hmm. and we're in studio and we're doing this at a normal hour yes energy we've had our coffee you don't drink coffee i no, had I my don't. coffee <laughs> the week before we were doing way too early the morning after the super bowl but now we got our got mass in got meetings in we're doing this at the normal hour we're ready to go let's do it and two days from Lent. So, yeah, yesterday we had uh, basically the, the continuation of the Sermon on the Plain by, by Jesus. And, and as I said last week, you know, Jesus in, in the Gospel of Matthew does a Sermon on the Mount. He preaching to all the people that are there, uh, the Mount of the Beatitudes by the Sea of Galilee. And in the Gospel of Luke, it's a Sermon on the Plain, pretty much the same themes, but he's preaching to the disciples. And you know, last week we we finished up on stop, stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop, stop condemning, you will not be condemned. And and we want to thank everyone for the feedback they gave on last week's um, hot potato episode. I want to say uh, it was it was interesting, and uh, the feedback we got. Now Jesus uh, continues the, the the sermon with a parable when he says, "Can a blind person guide a blind blind person? Will not both fall into a pit?" Now. Uh, I saw a pretty good explanation about what pit means. It probably means like a well. You know, like you fall into a well. You know, I, th- I remember back when I was a child, I'm forgetting the name of the little girl. I know her name, first name was it was Baby Jessica, I believe it was, that uh, that fell into a well and that created a, some media firestorm around this poor house. that She was stuck in there for a day or two and, and them trying to get her out. And when you fall into a well, there's really no recourse to get out. And, you know... So it's when when somebody when when a blind person leads you, you know, and you fall into that well, you fall into that pit. How are you going to get out? And suffice it to say that shows us that around our modern age in our society, there are so many gurus, self help people, people that are life coaches that are you know that mean well and that's fine, that want to help people out, but when you take Jesus out of the equation, when you take Jesus out of your life, you know, life you, you, out of your life period, then you're going to fall into a pit. You're going to fall into a well. You're going to fall eventually. You may have the, the, you know, the psychological or life-altering, you know, self-help, you know, tips that they give you, but you won't have what is truly necessary, and that is Jesus. And listen, there's so many people that that have and and they have, you know platforms like we have right now, podcasts or, or or social media channels or or YouTube videos or you know or TikTok videos or whatever it is. And people, you know, look at that and, and they live by these things. Really the only thing we're called to live by, and I'm holding the Bible in my hand, is the gospel, is the Bible, is the written word of God. Because so many times we, we, we get led astray by people, like I said, who mean well, who want to help people. But they don't put Jesus Christ at the center of 
anything that is life-altering, anything that will bring us to better ourselves. Yeah, yeah. It, it's such a, it's so applicable when we hear this. You know, the, does the blind lead the blind? And, and we see the church's wisdom in, in, for example, selecting godparents and why the church is so strict with selecting godparents. And, and we see this more with confirmation sponsors where, you know, you, to, to be eligible for, to be a sponsor, you need to be fully initiated. And, and the wisdom of the church is, you know, it's someone who's... Oh, why do they make it so hard, George? <laughs> oh, I don't hear that enough, no. right? You know, it, it's someone who's gone through this before, who's who's lived it, who who is living it is, is one of the requirements, you know, who, who is, you know, a practicing Catholic who's who's baptized, received communion, has been confirmed. You know, and we say, and, and the church in her wisdom says, these are the requirements because you want someone who's been there, done that, you know, who's, who's walking the walk and talking the talk and, and can can help the parents or the candidate in this journey. You know, so that's a similar story, uh, a similar you know, example of why what, what we what Christ lays out for us in this gospel. You know, we want to follow the expert himself, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus himself. And, and let's dwell on that a second, because you and I deal with this almost on a daily yep. basis. And poor Annette downstairs, who is our sacramentarian and, and a record keeper, yep. you know, she deals with even, you know, probably on an hourly basis. Yep. You know, we have so many uh, baptisms here in our parish, and we have so many, uh, you know, ba- you know uh, confirmations as well. And right around the time of confirmation, and even though we, t- we tell them months and months in advance, okay, this, these are the requirements— these are the requisites for someone to be a sponsor. These are the and we and we, we have it on our website. These are the requisites, mm-hmm. you know, for being a bapt, you know, for being a, a godparent for baptism. And this is what I just whined at you. We hear it so many times. Why does the church make it so hard? Not that hard. Baptize, be confirmed. If you're married, be married by the church. Be a practice. In other words, be a practicing Catholic. If you want your child to be led. To Jesus Christ, you want to have someone who is following right. Jesus Christ. It is not that difficult. I'm not ranting here. Am I ranting? I'm maybe a little, a little, a little, a little ranting, <laughs> but it's not that difficult. Oh, but he, but, but Father, but he, he's a very good man or a very good woman, and and they live virtuous lives. Great. What did I just say? When you remove Jesus out yeah. of the equation, that's a whole. I, you know, I'm a spiritual person, mm-hmm. but I'm not a religious person. Right. And again, they mean well. We're, we're not downplaying the fact that... What did that I say during the homily well, yesterday? Right? <laughs> Road to hell is paved by good intentions. Oh, yeah. Okay? Everybody means well. I mean, I'm not saying that they don't mean well. I'm not saying they're not a good person. But are they following Christ? Will they draw that child, draw that young adult who's being confirmed, will they draw them to Jesus Christ? Okay? Now, listen. The two of us in here have had to get creative because we understand what's out there. We understand that there's people, you know, especially both of us are Cuban, and, and we know that people coming from Cuba are not confirmed, okay? So, and in several parishes I've been at where, you know, where I've had to deal with that just for baptism of children, mm-hmm. trying to find one person to, that, has, that checks all the boxes. And I hate saying that because it sounds like, you know, we're jumping through hoops to get a sacrament. It's not checking all the boxes. It's making sure that this person is following Jesus Christ. That this person is going to, when they get up to be godparent or godfather for, for baptism, 
to sponsor a, child, uh, a young adult for confirmation, that that person is going to lead the child, lead that young adult towards Jesus, be a model for that person. So it goes back to, can the blind lead the blind? We will both fall into the pit. We don't want to fall into the pit. We want people that knows how, know, know how, if we fall, how to get out of the pit. When when we have our parent sponsor retreat, you know, I tell them if if you were to invite me to you know hike Everest right now, you know, I would have no idea what I'm doing. So I might mean well and say yeah let's let's do it together, Fun. but uh, you know we're it's it's certain death if if it's just them and me leading the way because yeah. I've never done it before. You know so so it's you know, we use these examples just to to kind of reframe what we hear in the gospel this weekend. You know why? Why it's so important to go back to the anchor? You know why it's so important to to have Jesus in the center? You know uh, to to follow Him directly. You know not not follow you know someone who who's heard of Him or who knows of Him. You know, but the, but to follow Him completely. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And you know, like I said, there there's so many. You know, I know bookstores are, are becoming extinct, but Barnes and Nobles, we have oh, two of them. You know, there's a whole section. <laughs> you know, you know, Barnes and Nobles, we do, do have two of them within shooting distance of of, of this parish in, on Miracle Mile and in Sunset Place. And you go to the self-help, you know, place, and, and it's full of books and, and books that you might read and books that may be quite helpful. Yep. But, you know, there is something to be said. The ultimate self-help book is the Bible. It's found in your house already. You know, it's on your phone. It's on your laptop. It's on your iPad. Open it. Now that we're we're coming up on Lent, we'll talk a little more about that later. Now that we're coming up on Lent, you know, open that beautiful, beautiful testament of faith up, which is the sacred scriptures. And what is it that the Lord wants you to concentrate on? You know, this morning, uh, Monday's Gospel, you know, you have the encounter in the Gospel, say, Mark, between Jesus and, and the rich man, and the rich man wants to follow Jesus, and, and what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and, and Jesus, well, you know, just follow the commandments. He goes, I follow all of them. He goes, and then, and then what struck me this morning, and he spent three minutes preaching on this phrase, you know, you were, miss, you were lacking in one thing. And, and I said, imagine if Jesus told you you're lacking in one thing. I go, my reaction would be only one. Only one. <laughs> I'm like, I'm only lacking one thing. Hey, I'm making progress here. But Imagine if Jesus told you that. And so what is that one thing that Jesus wants you to concentrate on as we approach Lent? What is that one thing that we need to focus on to grow spiritually during the next 40 days as we, as we approach Easter? Because we need to purify ourselves, get rid of the junk that's around us, Jesus goes, you know, goes on to say in yesterday's gospel, why do you notice a splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own? You know, we hey, have you, to. You want to talk about a self, self-help self book uh, section right there, the, these last few chapters that we've heard over no, these. No, yeah, the last few that, that is a self-help book in itself. You know, don't judge so you don't be judged. Don't condemn so you won't be condemned now. You know, why, why are you pointing out you know, the splinters in, in others' eyes, but you have a, a log in your own? You know? And Jesus is basically telling us, how to deal with one yeah. another, how to treat one another mm -hmm. with respect, with you know, with with dignity, and so Lent is a time that, that you know, starting on Wednesday, Lent is a time for us to be able to remove that wooden beam, 
to allow ourselves to see the world, primarily the Lord, more clearly, to listen to Him more clearly, to see the beauty of what God has prepared for us, laid out for us, this plan of life, so to speak, to, to allow us to see things more clearly. And yeah, okay, now if we take that wooden beam out of our eye, you know, be able to see the, you know, see the splinter or the speck in, in our brother's eye. But how do we tell, and this is important, how do we tell our brother or our sister, you know, you have, you know, that splinter in your eye? You know, how do we tell them? That is so important because that's what Jesus has been talking to us the last couple of weeks. You know, we have to come from a place of love come from a place of mercy, come from a non-judgmental you know, place. Because so many times we can approach a person and it's like, ah, you're not going to Mass and you're not, you know, we could be just, you know, we just talked about sponsors and godparents. Mm-hmm. You know, we could be judgmental and say, oh, no, you can't be a godparent because you don't have this and you're not following Jesus. You're not going to Mass. You know, but we try to find, you know, we always, I always tell my staff, I go, let's not say no. Let's try to find a solution. Whether it be okay, you know what? Let's get the godparents. You know that we want the, the you know the perspective godparents. Let's get them in an RCIA class. Let's get them coming to mass. Let's get them. You know, you know, trying to get them on the path yep. to following the Lord, so they could be the good examples and models that they're supposed to be. Yeah, and and it's baby steps. You know, so so I love to tell, especially at the beginning of the year. I'd say, you know, we're we're here to learn. We're here to walk together. So if you're not going to mass yet, you know. To, to expect that a family who's never gone to Mass is now suddenly going to start going every single week is unrealistic. You know, it, they might do well for, you know, for, for a month or so, but if that's, their, if that's what they set out to do from the get-go, like anything, you know, we, we just gave up uh, on, on our New Year's resolutions. You know, we're coming up on Lent now. We're going we're gonna to give up something drastic, and you know, hopefully we make it through. But, but if you do something and I'm not saying don't make big goals. Obviously, we want to have big goals. But but you need to go at it little by little. So I say to them, you know, start going to Mass once a month. And that's and that's a great start compared to nothing, you know. And then after after a month or two, you know, then, then try to go two weeks and then try to up that to three weeks uh, to the point where they're building up, you know, that that habit and that routine and, and, and make that part of their spiritual life you know, where it becomes something that they – that it, they're not doing it to check off a box, but now it's become part of this is who I am, this is how I live my weekend. And so much of society and of our lives is checking off boxes. Yeah. You know, we, we, we hear about that constantly. You know, we get calls you know, for marriage, for, for any of the sacraments. Oh, yeah. You know, it's kind of like what, what, the, what the rich man asked Jesus, what, what must I do mm-hmm. to inherit eternal life? Go, what boxes do I need to check? Yeah. And he checked all the boxes up for one. He was too rich. And so people come in and, and, and everybody, and this applies to all walks of life. We want to do the bare minimum just to achieve X, Y, or Z goal. You know, we were talking this morning, you know, you know about fitness challenges and stuff like that. Uh, you can't, you know, say, I'm going to lose this amount of weight or I'm going to run a marathon I'm gonna, by just flipping a switch overnight. You have to work at it. Exactly. You have to train yourself for it. You have to eat better. You have to work out more. You have to walk more. You have to you have to do so many things. Same thing with the spiritual life. It's not about just checking boxes. See, the, the simple thing about the spiritual life is just follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. That's what the, the rich man in, in Monday's gospel was asking for, 
That's what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples. So this is how I want you to treat one another. And so, you know, going that whole that whole, you know, section of judging others, condemning others, you know, the blind leading the blind, and then finishing that section with, you know, the you know the speck in your eye, you know, speck in the brother's eye when you have a wooden beam in your own. Jesus wants us to treat each other with respect, with love, and being very careful with the words that we say with one another. I shared these words of our Holy Father yesterday at Mass, and I want to share them with you. He he mentioned this when he was talking about yesterday's gospel at his Angelus address. He says, let us ask ourselves what type of words we use. Do we use words that express care, respect, understanding, closeness, compassion, or do we pollute the world by spreading venom, criticizing, complaining, feeding widespread aggression? Hmm. It's so you know, so powerful because we're supposed to use words that have care, respect, understanding, closeness, compassion. And I love the the way he phrased it. Do we pollute the world by spreading venom, criticizing, by complaining, by feeding widespread aggression? You know. Constant complaining about something. We're complaining about, you know, we're going to do this in the sports sec. We're going to complain about baseball. Okay. <laughs> but we're talking about, you know, just everyday things. You know, we complain so much when so much is out of our hands. And then the Holy Father said, it's spreading venom, criticizing. It goes to last week's gospel stop judging, stop condemning. And, and spreading, feeding widespread aggression. Feeding widespread aggression because we, I've said this before, we become so angry, we become so aggressive, you know, in, in trying to get our viewpoints across and trying to be heard among all the shouting and forgetting that we have to treat each other with love and use words that are respectful and compassionate and loving. You know, the, that reminds me of, um, I just pulled up the bulletin because I had a hard time with the bulletin cover this week. Yeah, and then I kept reading the... I'd read the first reading and the responsorial psalm, and I was going to try to do something funny with the, with the speck in the eye, and and I was like, no, that's kind of cheesy. But then I went to the second reading, and and I gave that a good read. And the last line of that second reading, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor will not be in vain. So so it goes back to again St. Paul, bringing the goods. It goes back to, you know putting ourselves in the in the hands of the Lord and and that's it you know be steadfast in the Lord you know live that gospel that is so hard that is so hard but but know that we might be the only one st- swimming upstream when the entire world is is you know flying downstream you know but if we're steadfast if we're if we hold strong to that you know and St Paul tells us himself know that our labors will not be in vain you know, because we're not just doing what the what the world is doing. You know, we're doing what the Lord is calling us to do, and it's not easy. You know, it is a, an uphill battle. It is a you know swimming upstream against the against the current. You know, but go back over these last few weeks. You know, don't judge. Not easy to do. You know, don't don't condemn. So difficult to do. This week, you know, spot the spot the the log in your own eye before you start calling out others. Not easy to do. You know, but but. By doing it, you know, anchoring ourselves in the Lord, our labor is not in vain.
it's not in vain. Everything we do to try to better ourselves in Jesus Christ, even though we may not see the fruit immediately, it is not something that we do in vain. When we lead other, another person towards Christ or we try to lead that person towards Christ, it is not in vain. Even though that person may not follow you to where Christ wants them or you want them to go, that labor is not in vain. So St. Paul's words resonate with us today because, oh my goodness, so many times, and, and I'm speaking to parents of, of, of teenagers now and the, or young adults who come to me and are, are, you know, are so upset because, you know, the children, they don't want to go to Mass or they've stopped going to Mass and they struggle because they've gone off to college and, and, and they don't follow in the footsteps of the Lord anymore. And I say, patience. Your, your fruits were not in vain. Your labor was not in vain. You know what I was trying to say. And you will see the fruits eventually because you've planted that seed. And so many of these kids do they, what they remember. It goes back to the prodigal son and that gospel we're going to hear during Lent, on a Sunday of Lent. It is so important that you understand that these kids know where home is. Because in moments of trial, when moments of loss, they know where home is. They know where the church is. They know they could walk into the doors of the church and just sit there in the pews. And they know where it is because you led them there. So your labors are not in vain. And so all of this points to our preparation this Lent. And so if you're hearing this on Monday morning, you know, spend the next, you know, 48 hours thinking about, okay, what do I need to do to be this person that Jesus outlines or describes in the Sermon on the Plain? This person who is not judgmental, this person that does not condemn, this person that is not looking for the speck in another's eye, this person who is who loves enemies. We forget about the most important thing of last week's gospel. person who loves unreservedly. Okay, what is that I need to do to be that person, to be that Christian, to be that follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. And spend the next 48 hours praying about that, praying about what it is that you need to do during the Lenten season to grow closer to Jesus, to grow closer to what He wants us to be. Let me repeat that. Not to what I want to be, but to what He wants us to be. Because anything more or less is out of His plan. Anything more or less is going outside of what Jesus wants for us. So I always say Lent is a season of opportunity. Don't look at it as just a season where you deprive ourselves of things, that we give up things, that, oh, you got to have 40 days and until Easter. No, look at it as a season of opportunity the church gives to us to make things right, to turn away from sin, and to be faithful to the gospel, to the gospel we've heard yesterday, to the gospel we heard last week, to be able to be that person that Jesus describes in the Sermon on the Plain. You know, the, the, the bulletin artwork, I love that they used the symbol of a, of a lighthouse yeah, because it signals safe harbor. Yeah, so, so the challenge really for Lent is, as, as you're saying, as, as I was listening to right now, is, you know, how can I be a lighthouse? You know, how can I plant myself in the Lord, you know, and whether it's for my family for my workplace, you know, for my community, for the for the world at large, whatever it may be, you know, how can I be a lighthouse, you know, 
firmly planted in the Lord to say, this is safe harbor. You know, this, this is, Jesus is here. You know, this is home. You know, you're talking about the, the kids, you know, teenagers running off and, and trying to find themselves. And I know you had a, uh, a, a good yesterday. laugh at the, at the sun, at what Sunday's mass. What does mask. that mean? <laughs> Dude, I, I, all these years, don't know what that means. That's find yourself. Try, I'm right here. Look, yeah. hitting myself. You know, but, but, they, there. The, but they go out and then something happens and they don't even have to be told. They just know church is home. They, they come back to the church every time. Yeah, and some do it right away, and some take you know decades, and and that's okay. But but the lighthouse stands there, firmly signaling you know safe harbor in the Lord. And you, and you and you know why they won't come home? If they find people who are judgmental, if they if they find people who are condemning, if they find people who are blind, if they find people who are pointing out the speck in their eye when they have a wooden beam in their own, and young people in particular are allergic to hypocrites. You know, Jesus calls out, you know, hypocrites. He goes, you know, you you know, brother, let, let me, when you, how can you say, let me remove the splinter in your eye when you do not even notice the wooden beam in your own? You hypocrite, remove the wooden beam from your own eye first, then you will see clearly to remove the splinter in your brother's eye. Teenagers are allergic to hypocrites. Te- teenagers can spot a phony a mile away. And so, why do they run away from the church? It's because... They don't want to be judged. They don't want to be condemned. They don't want to be, you know, talked down to. You know, it, it's it's a question that Jorge and I, gra- you know, try to grapple with every day is, you know, why do young people leave the church and why and what are they what are they looking for? It's a question that Jesus asked at the beginning of St. of St. John's Gospel. You know, what are you looking for? Because these young people you know, are, are wandering off, and and yes, we understand that that they're being lured away by by the, by the sirens, you know, of the world, uh, that that lure them away into sinful things, and and we judge the sinful acts. We say, okay, that is wrong. We we constantly uphold that, okay, and we don't, and we should not make concessions. Say, all right, you know, you know, let just no. We have to set, you know, we have to stand firm. On our principles and our morals, but how do and that's that, that's what we grapple with, is how do we do this in a way that is not judgmental, that is not condemning, that is in a loving way, while still upholding the tenets of our faith, and that's what we're constantly grappling with when it comes to our young people, because we don't want our young people to wander far from that safe harbor. We don't want them wandering far from our Lord, which is who is the only source, true source. Of joy and happiness that they authentically seek. Yeah, you know, now now I'm just laughing because two weeks ago we we're talking about you go into the deep, go into the deep, and now we're saying you know we don't want to wander far from from mm-hmm. the safe heart. But but the 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 kicker, I mean the the the, you have the, to start the, fi- the finer point here is you know when we do go into the deep, you know it's going into the deep with Jesus. You know to go back to how we started this this podcast today, you know it's not about you know, following a false prophet who's going to promise us, you know, fortune and wealth and fame and, and everything that the, the world says is good. You know, when, when we say, you know, go out into the deep, it's, it's go out into the deep with Jesus Christ in your boat, you know, where he will not lead you astray, where you will, you know, haul in a, a massive uh, haul of fish, you know, to, to bring back to safe harbor, you know, for, for the good of the church.
for the good of the community, for the good of your family, for the good of X, Y, Z. You know, so it's not just it, we we talk about going to the deep and safe harbor, but Jesus is is found in both places. You know, Jesus goes with us into the deep, and Jesus is that safe harbor. I think that the way you look at that is you have to start somewhere. Okay, so yeah, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we're, we're you know talking to people about going into the deep. But in terms of starting out somewhere, we have to start out in the shallow end. We yep. have to start off in safe harbor. We have to start off where we feel welcome, where we feel right. safe. And then when we realize, okay, there is more to this, there is so much more to learn, so much more to grasp, then we, okay, we feel more secure in putting onto the deep and knowing that we won't be led astray, knowing that we won't be led by a false prophet to somewhere we don't want to go or, or somewhere, I mean, put it another way, somewhere we should not go to. Because, you know, I get so frustrated. You're talking about that safe harbor, which is the church. Well, not only young people wander away from the church, but wander away from their home. When I'm talking about their home, I'm talking about where they grew up, where they were educated, probably in a Catholic school. Then they go off to, you know, New York or L.A., places who are, are a little more liberal in their understanding and their viewpoint of the world. And then it becomes like, oh, no, no, everything's good. Everything is awesome. To quote the... That annoying Lego movie. I saw, the reason it's annoying is I saw that on a transatlantic. Everything is awesome. Thank you. I saw that on a transatlantic <laughs> flight one time, and I was kind of falling asleep oh, during the whole man. movie. But I watched that, it. That near had that song stuck in stuck your head in the my head during the flight. entire flight. It's like, are you kidding me with this? But you go off to these different places, and, and oh no, no, everything, everything is awesome. We were talking before we were on the air that you know we had it. You had a. Pretty intense. You had a wedding. You had a gala. You had we had, we had a baptism, baptism. yesterday. We, we had we had we had a lot of things, and we, we were having a late lunch, early dinner yesterday, and and right around six o'clock, six thirty, we were all like, we I'm just ready for bed. Yeah, we're, we're all re- <laughs> we're like we're ready to just knock out. And I know if I did that, I'd be up at two o'clock in the morning and still be going. But you know, so last night, I, you know, I I was just flipping channels, and. I hadn't seen him in a while, so I turned on last week, uh, last week tonight with, with John Oliver, who is brilliant comedian, does great research work, but is lately going off so much on the deep end. So last night, you know, I guess what the reason I stayed watching him, because I was just like, you know, slack-jawed, I go, he's not doing this. He was basically making an argument. He goes, let's take the morality out of it, making an argument for making prostitution you know, legal. George oh, is looking at me with man. this quizzical, with this, with this look. Like, are you kidding me with this? Making prostitution legal and 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 more acceptable in this country. I'm like, are you? He was making these arguments. So, again, and, that, and this is why I've, I kind of stopped. Why he was so brilliant, you know, when he started out. But now it's just like going off the deep end. Here, you know, he gets father. Aren't you condemning a little bit? No, I'm calling out something that is morally wrong. You know. I'm not, I like for example, someone who has an abortion. I'm not condemning the person right. who has them. Condemning no, but the act. But it's the the age old, you know, con, uh, hate the sin, not the sinner. Right. Yeah, and that's that's really the heart of it. And they hate that expression. Oh my goodness. So we go off into the into these other places that are not home, and you come back and you say, oh, but my worldview has expanded. 
All right, but has your has your view of Jesus Christ expanded? Has your understanding of the gospel expanded? Because what's going on is you're going to listen. I love New York. Never been to LA, but Randy Newman says I love LA in, in, in the song. Okay, uh, sister loves LA. She you know she swears by it. But you go out there and it is you know all these people walking around. They're blind leading the blind and making everything acceptable. Like, yes. Love everyone. Absolutely love everyone. Okay? But not say, you know, well, the reason I brought that example up because I found it so extreme. Now, are we really making this argument? You know, instead of looking at all the factors which leads a woman or a man to, to go into that profession, to go to be desperate enough to do this, to say nothing of the fact something your sister worked on for many years, you know, to say nothing of the fact of... of you know all the all the human trafficking, trafficking and yep. and child sex trafficking involved in that. We're, let, let's just normalize this. Where where are we going as a society? So you know we have to, you know, resist the urge to let. Oh no, this person is enlightened. And and the thing is that you have a studio audience there that's applauding everything that he's saying. And I go, can can you you know instead of just going for you know the cheap laugh or the cheap applause. Just take a moment to think. You know, I watched, it was, it was a 20-minute segment. And I watched all 20 minutes, again, slack-jawed. I go, I cannot believe what I'm listening to. Because this is where we are as a society. Let's just make stupid arguments to justify something that is not justifiable. Yep, to get a click. And to get a like. I'm, and I'm sure that's on YouTube right <laughs> yeah, this yeah, morning. Yeah. And Lord knows... How many clicks it's had? Let me contrast that with something else that I saw over the weekend. Uh, John Mulaney, who's a brilliant stand-up comic, a uh, year, year and a half ago, God bless him, he, he had an intervention and realized that he needed to go into rehab. And so he's been kind of out of the spotlight. And on, on Saturday night, he hosted Saturday Night Live. And, you know, after the gala on, on Saturday night, I was wired, so I, yeah. I couldn't fall asleep. So I, I turned it on. And, and I saw his, his, his monologue, his stand-up. It was brilliant because he talked about, you know, where he was in terms of his, his drug addiction, how he needed to get rid of that. All of this, you know, during a stand-up routine and, and you know, stand-up comedians, and, and I've discussed this with, uh, with, our, with my friend Irene who, who got me into podcasting, you know, it's basically like the sad clown who gets up there, who's really holding up a mirror to society, holding up a mirror to themselves, saying, this is my tribe, let, let, let's look at it, and let's look at it, you know, through through a sense of humor. And what he did was, he kind of walked everyone through what he had been through over the last year and four months, so to speak, in terms of his rehab. He started dating Olivia Munn, who I'm still trying to figure that one out, <laughs> and, and they had a baby. And how that child... We were talking about this yesterday, how that child transforms mm -hmm. your life. And everything was so brilliant because he was, no, he says a lot of things in his other standard routines, which I'm not in favor of. But just that one, that very raw sense of this is where I've been. And I needed people, again, blindly, I needed people who could see themselves out of that hole, people that reached out and said, I've been in that hole, let me help you out how they helped him get out 
of that to a place of sobriety that he is right now. You see that contrast. You see that so important in our understanding of the world to find people who will lead us to salvation. Now, leading you know, in terms of the blind leading the blind, Bishop Barron this weekend gave this great, I'm trying to remember correctly, gave this great definition of what evangelization is. It's two people, you know, let's say I'm trying to evangelize you, and we're both hungering for bread, but one of us knows where the bread is. Obviously, the bread of life, who is Jesus. That's what evangelization is. It's finding someone who knows where to find the bread, knows where to find the source of life, who is Jesus Christ. And that's where we need to be. And that's what our project for Lent needs to be, is to be able to see the servant on the plane, you know, go back to the Beatitudes, go back to you in you know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and say, okay, how do I measure up to where Jesus wants us to be? So, my friends, we have 40 days in front of us to be able to, you know, follow the Lord, follow someone, be it a spiritual master, saints, popes, you know, we have so many Lenten resources. We gave out this weekend those Lenten companions, those Lenten meditations written by the Carmelite sisters, which are so brilliant, and people were so thankful for it. Uh, you know, I mentioned Bishop Barron a couple minutes ago. He, Word on Fire, they have a daily me Lenten meditation that will be delivered into your inbox at 6 o'clock every morning. Dr. Scott Hahn has, uh, you know, resources. Uh, our website has resources, cotlf.org slash Lent as resources, click on those resources. Don't, you know, we're talking about Safe Harbor, don't navigate through Lent on your own. There are so many people, there, there are so many spiritual guides who are not blind, who know where to find Jesus. You know where to find Jesus. You really do. Just open your eyes. Remove the, you know, the wooden beam. That's where you go to confession or not. So remove that wooden beam from our eyes to be able to see the Lord clearly and to be able to see the path that leads straight to salvation. Yes! Yes! The you! The you! The you! The you! That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's yeah, a no-brainer. He's a Hall sentence. of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but... Just... No. Get out of here. <laughs> what was that last night? There is still no baseball. There were supposed to be baseball games over the weekend. Well, there is baseball just down the street. There, Yeah, that is true. Canes baseball? The Canes, the Canes off to Undefeated. a... Off to a hot start. Yeah. Undefeated or 7-1? and one? I think 7-1. I don't know. But, but it's it's like their best start since 10 and 0 a, good. A, a while back. Hopefully they finish that way. But uh professional baseball, major league baseball. All right, so they've been meeting for 7 days. And, and you love meetings. That last they, they <laughs> when when they finished meeting yesterday, they met all day yesterday and they said, "All right, we're done for tomorrow." Today. It's like 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock. We're done for the day. We'll meet again tomorrow. I'm like, "Where do you have to go? You have nothing to do. There's no games." You're all, you're in Jupiter. There's, you know, not much to do in Jupiter. Just 
keep meeting until you get a deal. Yep. So they're meeting. So there's two very different sides to this argument. Oh, no, we made progress yesterday. And the like, eh, no, we didn't. So today was a self-imposed deadline by Major League Baseball to get this done so that regular season games are not effective. I believe opening day is four weeks from yep. this week. March, uh, end of end of end March. March. yeah. And <clears throat> I don't see it happening. No, it, we said it last week. We recorded that episode 10 days ago. Mm-hmm. It's it's not happening. It's not. I, I don't see it happening. There, and, and not, I don't, not if they're still saying they're they're that far apart. Okay, but I, I texted you. I think you were asleep when I texted this to you. Last night, there was a... Uh, one of the things that they're quibbling about is the playoffs. And I hate the word oh. playoffs in, 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 uh, in baseball because in baseball in the old days, you had, you know... National League and the American League, it's kind of like the table in, in, in Premier League and mm-hmm. in most leagues and soccer leagues and around the world where you play an entire season, and if you get the best record, you win the championship. Okay, Now, we're not used to that in American sports. Right. We like you know, we like championships. We like you know, certain like a playoff, so to speak. So, yep. so, but, so in 1903, you know, they said, you know, let's have the winner of the American League play the winner of the, of the National League in a World Series. And it worked like that until the late 60s. And then say, all right, let's divide into divisions. And, and the winner of, it was East and West in both, league, in both leagues. And the winners of the East and West would meet in a five-game championship series. It eventually became a seven-game championship series. And then, you know, that was fine. Then I said, let's, let's add in a wild card. And, yeah. and we were okay with the wild card. The Marlins, I'm okay so, with the wild card. Yeah, we are because we've, that's the only <laughs> way we've won. We've never won a division. We've won two World Series, the Marlins. And, you know, and, that, and that's worked. But now... They're talking about 14 teams. This was nuts. I didn't, I didn't answer it yesterday, but I, I didn't no. see it. Here, here's what it says. And this is from Ken Rosenthal. He says, on the subject of an expanded playoffs, Union has raised concern that leagues propose 14-team format. 14 teams. There are 30 That's teams. That's half the league, yeah. That there's 30 teams in Major League Baseball. The league's proposed 14-team format does not provide enough incentive for two division winners that did not finish with the best overall record in the league and receive buy into the division series. All right, so what they're saying is that of the three division winners, there's three divisions in each league. Of the three, divi- of the three division winners, the one with the best record gets a buy, okay, doesn't play the wild card round, yeah. goes directly to the division series. And then the two with the other, the, the, uh, the, best, the other two records, second and third best record, play... The two wild card teams. Right now we have two wild card teams. Okay. But it's like, whoa, let, 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 let's slow down here. So 14 teams. I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to do the math. That's one, two, three, four, five. No, I'm missing, I'm missing something here. I don't know what I'm missing here. 14 teams, because right now the three division yeah, so winners and there's like two four, wild, four cards. wild cards. That's, I guess that's what you're saying. Wow. That's crazy. That would be crazy. That's crazy. So let, let no, me but fr- it gets worse. It, it, then- it gets so much worse. So get ready for ghost wins. That, oh, that, that's what. That's this what, is where lo- this is what lost me. No, like, no, no, nope, that, nope, nope. Yeah. Okay. So that, that all right. So fourteen teams. The union proposed a quote unquote ghost win in twelve team format and floated same idea in fourteen team plan. Sources say in best two or three wild card round, other two division winners would start with one game advantage while playing entire series at home. And the league is not receptive to that. So basically what they're saying is that, all right, if you won your division, you host a wild card series in your home ballpark. And you get to pick your opponent. 
You, yeah, that's part, that, they didn't mention, but that's part of the stupidity. You get to pick your opponent, and then you have a one-zero advantage over them. You know, I like that runner on second rule. You know why I hate that? Because I forget what year it was, but there was a division winner who had like the fourth best record in the in the league. Not not just baseball in within the National League. So because the second and third place teams from the West. Had a so better good. overall record. I think it was the central winner. I don't remember. Papo just looked back last year. Oh. Atlanta had the worst record yeah. during the playoffs, and they won the whole thing. It, the playoffs are about getting right, and that's why I keep calling it the playoffs. Postseason is yeah. about getting hot at the right time. The Marlins did it twice. Yeah. You know, so that was. But I just just scrap the divisions entirely if if that's what we're gonna be. If that's where we're going with ghost wins and just give the, the so, three so best the, teams. Just to finish off with this ghost win. So you would choose who you want to play. You'd play in your home ballpark. There's, there's no possibility. And that's why the league is not going to go for it because you think the owners of your team makes the playoffs or the postseason. They want to forego the gate yep. of a game not at happening. home. It's not going to happen. So what they're saying, the, the, the union wants to say, is like, okay, you, and, I, and I get and I and I applaud them to incentivize winning, incentivize winning a division. Okay, but there are years where certain divisions stink. Yeah. Last year, the NL East. Okay, and other divisions, NL West. Yeah. Who knew San Francisco was going to have the best record? Do you even remember that? Like a distant memory. Who knew San Francisco was going to, you know, have all these wins and, and even have a better win record than L.A.? But they did. And L.A. ended up, you know, going further into the playoffs. So, ghost win. But So, what happens is you host that series at home. You have a 1-0 advantage. We have a ghost win. So this team has to beat you three times yeah. in a row. And they have to sweep you at home to advance yeah. on the road in the playoffs on the road. Come on, folks. And that's, by the way, that's one of the more minor points yeah. in the bargaining. I get the expanded play. I mean, I get it. It's money to be had. No, you think they're serious about that? Or they're just throwing that out there I, as, man, as a concession to, to try to get something else? I don't care. You know, just throw I, something extreme on the wall and, and I, I end just, up with it. I just want to see baseball. <laughs> I just want to see Major League Baseball. They want four weeks, at least four weeks of spring training so people could be healthy. Yeah. But it's the owners, oh, we made progress. Actually, the player said they didn't. You know, He said, she said, that's what's going on. I don't think it's going to happen today. I think it's a, a bad, and I don't think the owners particularly care if their regular season is shortened. There's something to be said about the 162 game season. Now we've talked about it. I think on the on this podcast before, but bringing it back to 154, yep. it was during Roger Maris's time when he hit the home run record at 61, uh, the real home run record, and you know, 162 is a slog, yep. and you know. Maybe it's going to be 154. I don't. That, that's something. I don't know if they're talking about that either. I don't want to be talking about this. I'm talking about what's going on on the field. We don't have a team. I mean, right now the Marlins did squat before the lockout started on December first. Oh, we they got a did, catcher. Yeah, I don't remember his name. Stallings. Oh, that's right. We picked up a catcher. What happens at Jorge Alfaro bar that they gave us? Did someone win it this weekend? I don't know if they. Put no, it. we didn't put. Oh it no, in. we didn't put. You didn't. I, we I, put. I, um, Garrett Cooper. Cooper. <laughs> Cooper. Yes, we put we put his name. All right. So I want to be talking about what our starting rotation is going to look like. If Sixto, we need a center fielder. If Sixto Sanchez, you know. We need a center fielder. We, we had one. We <laughs> traded him away. Starling Marte. You know, Starling Marte, we, we needed him. And, uh, 
you know, Freddie Freeman, I want to talk about him maybe possibly going to the Yankees and pulling him out of Atlanta so he doesn't... By the way, we haven't talked about the ultimate Marlin killer reti- being re- retiring two weeks ago. Ryan Zimmerman. Oh. How many walk-offs? Oh. I remember, I think it was July 4th when they were still playing in RFK Stadium. And it was we had a great game. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up. It's a walk-off homer on the 4th of July to yeah. ruin our 4th of July. Ryan Zimmerman. We've Ryan. had some pretty... Bad Fourth of July games, uh, you know. Adam Duvall, another Marlin killer. I don't know if he's still with going to be with the. See, these are things we, we we need to go back to the hot stove. That's right. Because there's so many free agents out there, and the Marlins apparently aren't going to sign any of them. No, they they say they're they're going after a a center field. They're, That's great. Why didn't this happen before the first of December? Uh, I don't get it. All right, other sports. The Heat looking good at coming out of the All Star break. Beat the Knicks, which is always fun. In the garden, amazing. Then we go around and we beat the Spurs on Saturday night. Great game. Uh, Tyler Hero's playing great after you know after the All Star break. Jimmy Butler was fined twenty five thousand dollars for not talking to the media after the All Star game. Come on, really? Seriously? Come on. Uh, Inter Miami started their season this weekend. They did that. Went, that went quietly. Uh, I, I barely saw anything about that. Well, because we were at a gala, but no. But even then, I. No, I I, I was. A, I saw I was a few a, tweets here and there. I was a two nothing to it. Like, it was it was a nil nil draw, you know. Apparently that's in vogue yesterday because the Carabao Cup in in, uh, <laughs> in the EPL in uh, in England was also nil nil. Father Stevens' team Chelsea had to go to a penalties. This I've never seen this. I mean I know it's happened, but I've never actually seen it happen live. That they went to penalties, uh, Liverpool and and Chelsea. Right, While wow, we're talking Premier League teams, that's right. here. here we go, and. Uh, they went through the first five. Everybody was knocking their goals in. Then they went through the other five. Everyone knocked oh, their goals wow. in. And what happens when you get through the ten? Goalies kick. So the first goalie comes in, knocks it in. Then the goalie that they had, that Chelsea replaced with two minutes left in extra time, because he's good at penalty kicks, he, he didn't save any of them. Oh, no. And then airmails it, it. <laughs> air it over the crossbar. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, that, 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 that should have happened. I mean, who didn't see that happening? Come I would on. love to see a game with, with Father Uko and, and Father Steven. You've mentioned there's no, nothing like it. it. It is Father Father Uko especially. He takes so much joy in watching. Doesn't have to be a team that he follows. You know, I remember uh, when I got here watching the women's World Cup with him, and and he would laugh. He laughs when when he, he laughs at the stupidity <laughs> of soccer players. <laughs> You faking know, injuries, f- uh, flopping. Yeah. He just laughs so hard. I mean, we watched the uh, Africa Cup of Nations, uh, which which aired uh, last month, and it was just just beautiful to watch it with them in Nigeria. Uh, you know, I had to re- you know the Nigeria games. They were at work. They couldn't you know yeah. they, they could never. But I remember poor Father Stephen. I felt so bad for him. The final of the Africa Cup of Nations was um, Egypt against Senegal. Oh my goodness! Either Senegal or Cameroon. I can't remember. I, I, I want it was it was in Cameroon. It was Senegal, and um, and so Father Stephen was at work during the in, in Children's Hospital uh, during that game. So I we taped it for or we recorded it for him. Taped it for him. That doesn't. <laughs> so um, please remember to yeah, rewind. Yeah, please please be kind. <laughs> rewind. So Senegal and Egypt played this this game. Which I watched, uh, I, I was at lunch with somebody, and I came back to 
towards the end of the first half, and Faduko was already watching it live, and he's like, "Oh no, this game! Egypt was basically playing was basically playing park the bus," and so Senegal was being aggressive, and they were trying to score, and the Egyptian goalkeeper was just standing on his head was just blocking everything away, and the game went into extra time, and it was just bad football, bad bad soccer, and it went to penalty kicks. So. And Senegal won uh, 4-2 in penalty kicks. So when Father Stephen arrives that evening, he's there and he wants to watch that game. Now it's two, you know, you have, an, you have two hours of, you know, of, of soccer plus the penalty kicks. And I'm like, do I really want this poor priest to suffer through two hours? <laughs> he goes, no, don't tell me anything. Don't tell me anything. So I go upstairs and I come down to get a snack. And the game's still going. It's about to go into penalty kicks. He goes, oh, Father, this was a bad game. This is a bad match. And I'm like, I really wanted to tell you, Father, but I didn't want to ruin your enjoyment of watching the game, yeah. the match almost like if it was live because, but it was so bad. It was so, so bad. But so Inter-Miami started this week and 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 who knows and, and what's going to happen with them and what's going to happen with their stadium deal. Uh, you know, I'm playing Maurice on tomorrow on nice. Tuesday, you know, just in case. Might they, be the last. <laughs> no, who knows what's going to happen. We'll have Francis on one day and, and see what and see if he can give us uh, an update on that. The Panthers on a three game losing streak. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, let it get let them get it out of their system now. Better now than you know than in the Stanley Cup the, playoffs. Yep. But that's that's hockey for you. So um, I don't know what else is going on in the world of sports because I've been so focused on other things. Yeah. I saw the Godfather on the big screen on Thursday, fiftieth anniversary. Jorge is shaking his head because. Jorge I'm, I'm, not ready to, seen, I'm ready to be banished to the quarter. Jorge has not seen the best movie made of all time from beginning from to end. From start to finish? No, I can't, I can't remember sitting down to watch it start to finish. I know I've, now, I've seen bits and pieces when it's on, but, but like actually sit down and watch screen. it, the whole thing? No. It was amazing. It was amazing. As you get closer to the Oscars, we'll talk more about movies, but it was, uh, it was such a great experience to watch it on the big screen as it was meant to be seen. Great sound. The, the restaurant scene that Michael... You know, Michael makes his bones. That's that's just the the sound of the of the, of the elevated train. It was just amazing, amazing, amazing. And I don't know if it's still playing. I think it was an exclusive engagement this weekend. But that that was just was just great. Uh, so many things going on in the world. But the probably the most important thing that we did not mention in the first segment because we wanted to to, to close the show with this was uh, is what's going on in the Ukraine. Um, I remember Wednesday night when the invasion started, uh, I was texting with a friend who, who is in media, who is a, a journalist, and had a little bit of a September 1st, 1939 vibe, you know, when Hitler invaded Poland. I mean, I'm, I'm praying that it doesn't get to that, mm -hmm. but, you know, all of Europe is kind of on edge. Uh, the world is kind of on edge. We're all on edge. I mean, there was an article the other day that I saw that people are looking for safe spaces to uh, to go to as they consume uh, news of the Ukraine. Here's how about how how about this for safe space? Turn off your phone. You know, don't watch news. You yeah. know, have somebody tell you, oh, this is what happened. This is what's not happening. You know, that's I I take. You know, I've done this since people since pandemic started. You know, take it in drips and drabs mm -hmm. because it will depress you. Oh yeah. So, uh, our Holy Father has called on us uh, this Ash Wednesday, which we is usually a day of fasting. Uh, has called on a day of prayer and fasting for peace for Ukraine. Uh, and this is what he had to say. I, I want to read you what he had to say yesterday um, during his Angelus address. 
because it, it, it is so important. Uh, what had it here in front of me, and now it's gone. It is so important to be able to to be in communion with these brothers and sisters. I mentioned at Mass this morning, we prayed for all the priests and nuns and, and religious who stayed behind to minister to God's people. The Archbishop of, of Kiev said, you know, obviously people are, don't want to leave home. They don't want to go to church. So he had the priests go to them uh, to be able to uh, uh, to minister to the people. And, he, and so this is what he had to say yesterday, our Holy Father. He goes, Dear brothers and sisters, in recent days we have been shaken by something tragic, war. Time and again we have prayed that this road would not be taken. And let us not stop talking. Indeed, let us pray to God more intensely. For this reason I renew all the in, to all the invitation to make the 2nd of March, Ash Wednesday, a day of prayer and fasting for peace in Ukraine. A day to be close to the sufferings of the Ukrainian people, to feel that we are all brothers and sisters, and to implore of God the end of the war. Those who wage war forget humanity. They do not start from the people. They do not look at the real life of people, but place partisan interests and power before all else. They trust in the diabolical and perverse logic of weapons, which is the furthest from the logic of God. And they distance themselves from ordinary people who want peace and who, the ordinary people, are the real victims in every conflict who pay for the follies of war with their own skin. I think of the elderly, of those who seek refuge in these times, of mothers fleeing with their children. They are brothers and sisters for whom it is urgent to open humanitarian corridors and who must be welcomed with a heart broken by, with heart, a heart broken by what has happened in Ukraine. And let us not forget the wars in other parts of the world. Uh, I posted on our Facebook page the other day, if you really want to help uh, monetarily, uh, Catholic Relief Services through Caritas International has set up a fund on crs.org to donate. I made a donation. I invite you to make a donation as well to help people, uh, to help Catholic Relief Services, Caritas, to find shelter for refugees, to feed them, to keep them warm, and to help them evacuate in places where they need to be evacuated. It is just tragic what's going on there. We have to pray for the world and pray for what's going on in Eastern Europe and pray that you know what happened at the beginning of the uh, 19th of the 20th century does not happen again. So we finish this episode, we finish this podcast by praying to the God of peace that he may extend his hand over Ukraine, over those that beautiful people that have been so resilient over the last week. We've seen you know the metal of these people, how incredibly brave they are, that we may learn from them. We may learn from their example. They want peace. So many people around the world, even in Russia, want peace. We ask the God of peace to bring peace into our hearts, bring peace into the world, that we, that he may hear our prayers and accept our penance and our fasting on Ash Wednesday to bring about peace in the world. We pray for the Ukraine. We pray for all those areas in the world that are affected by war. And may Almighty God bless all of you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.